0: Well, good morning. How's everybody feeling so far? Wasn't that crazy last night, all that rain? It's continuing on today. Uh, thankful it's not snow, because if it were snow, we wouldn't be here right now. Do you agree with that? <laughs> we might have had to cancel church, so I'm very thankful to God that it was rain instead of snow. Uh, how was your Christmas? Pretty good? Everybody get something special? Yeah? Some shoes? New purse? Something like that? <laughs> awesome. We, we, uh, we surprised our kids in their stocking with tickets to go see Star Wars. That was one of the most exciting uh, gifts that they got um, this Christmas. And so we went yesterday to see it. And uh, anybody see it yet? Anybody? Any fans out there? Star Wars fans? Awesome. Awesome. They made, I think they made $370 million on the first day it came out. Pretty crazy. Pretty good profit. What do you think? I think they're going to do just fine uh, on that movie. Uh, how many of you have not seen the movie? Okay, can I just tell you one scene you're going to love, just really quick? <laughs> I, I, just, I just have to. I just, There's one scene where Luke Skywalker comes in and just... Oh, I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you. I did that with the Unbroken movie. Remember that? I told you the whole story. It was terrible. I ruined the whole movie for you. So I apologize. I won't do that again. But... I'm so tempted, so tempted to do that. I'll let you enjoy it. Very, very good movie. I think you'll really enjoy it. So we're we're here today, and we're wrapping up a series called Peace. And if you if this is your first time here, if you're a guest with us, uh, we've been talking about Christmas all month, uh, the whole month of December. And that's kind of how we do things. We're very excited about Christmas. And uh, we're we're if you're a first time guest with us here today, just uh, just want to let you a little, let you in on a little bit of uh, who we are as a church. We're we're an incredibly focused church. Uh, we, We focus on actually the people who are not here yet, the people in our lives that have said no to God, they've said no to church, they've written off church is boring. God is as irrelevant in their life. They don't want nothing to do with it. And so when you look at the back of our walls, there's thousands of names. It's not graffiti, I promise you. There's thousands, you can look at it on your way out, thousands of names written on the walls up on the st- upstairs, down here on the platform. There's literally thousands of people's names down here. And you might say, well, why are there names written on this stage? And the reason is, is because these are the names of the people that, that we love, that we care about. They're in our life. They're our co-workers, our family members, our neighbors. We want them to find Christ, and so we're kind of on this relentless pursuit to, uh, to invest in them and invite, invite them to a, a service so that they can hear about this incredible God who shows grace and mercy to everyone. And so we love the Christmas story because the Christmas story, that, that pretty much started the whole process. In fact, if you're a note-taker, the Christmas story is really the story of how everyone can have peace with God. Like, we believe that with all of our heart, that every single person is created to have peace with God, to be reconciled with God, to be in a relationship with God. In fact, if you go back to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, and you, and you look at it, right after Jesus and Mary went to Bethlehem to be registered, because there was a census, you know, she ended up having the baby, and there was no room for them in the inn, and she wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes, and she laid him in the manger, and uh, right after that scene, the Bible says that an angel from heaven, the angel of the Lord, came down and appeared to some shepherds in a field that were, that were in the region, and, and when he appeared, when this angel appeared to these shepherds, they had to be terrified. In fact, the Bible does say they were horrified. They were, because this is, this is the angel of the Lord. And if you, if you've read the Bible at all, you know that the angel of the Lord was fierce. Like at one point, I'm, you have to find this in the Bible. You can Google it later. At one point, one angel one angel killed 85,000 soldiers, soldiers of the enemy army against, against the Israelites. Crazy story. So this angel had to be insanely fierce looking, right? So they see this angel, and they're terrified. Look what the angel says in Luke chapter 2 to these poor shepherds in the field. Hey, guys, don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. I know I can kill 85,000 people with my sword, but it's going to be okay. I'm not going to kill you. He said to them, don't be afraid. Here's why. Because I bring you good news that will bring great joy to how many people all people you don't have to be afraid i'm not here to wipe you out i'm here to tell you about the good news that will be for all people what is that good news look at verse 11 the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david that is great news that will bring great joy to all people why why will it be good news for that will bring great joy to all people Well, you you know that we can't have good news without bad news, and the bad news is that that every single one of us are born into this world under a curse. Yes, you heard it right, a curse. A curse that was passed down to us from Adam and Eve, the first human beings who disobeyed God, and the theologians call it the fall. They they were separated from God. Their, 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 Their nature that was perfect at one point became a fallen nature, and now there had to be some reconciliation happening. They disobeyed God. And the good news is that you don't have to, you don't have to be separated from God. You can actually be forgiven. You can actually be brought back into a relationship with God. That's the good news. Listen to how John, uh, Jesus, uh, John recorded Jesus's words in John 3.16 when he was talking to a guy named Nicodemus. He said, for God so loved the world, not rocks and trees and the Grand Canyon, although that stuff's pretty cool, God didn't love that part of the world, the physical elements. He loved the people in the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever, whichever person chooses to believe in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we all know that people die physically. You agree with this? Everybody dies physically. So Jesus is not talking about perishing physically. He's, talk about, he's talking about perishing spiritually, experiencing something called spiritual death, eternal separation from God, something that, 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 that we're all born into this world under that curse. But God, you don't have to be separated from God. Because of his love, what he did was he sent this baby into the world so that if you put your faith in him, you don't have to perish, but you can have everlasting life. That's God's heart. The Christmas story is really the story about how everyone can experience peace with God. Listen to the way Peter explained it in 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. That God is not wanting anyone to perish, but say it with me. Everyone, a little bit better, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity apart from him. He wants everyone to turn around. That's what the word repentance means, to turn around and stop living for themselves and live for God. And when a person does that, and they put their confidence and trust in Jesus Christ, they receive eternal life. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul explained it in 1 Timothy chapter 2. God wants everyone to be saved and to understand or come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth of what? The truth of the good news. That this baby that was born in Bethlehem that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn, came to die for the sins of every man and woman, that every single person can have peace with God. When Jesus was on earth, he would hang out with people who needed to have peace with God. They weren't church-going folks, they were sinners. And his critics, one day started talking about, well, why is he doing that? Why is he hanging out with people that don't go to the temple and they're not spiritual people and they're not, you know, quote, unquote, the good ones? And in response to his critics, Jesus tells three quick stories. The first story is about a shepherd, which everybody would understand because in those days there were shepherds out everywhere. The shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered away. And, And Jesus said, doesn't a good shepherd run after the one who got away and leave the 99? And when he finds him, he comes back and he throws a party and everybody says, yes, of course, and then Jesus says, you know, here's, the reason, here's another reason why I'm hanging out with these folks is because it's like a woman who has ten silver coins and she loses one of them and she sweeps the whole house until she finds that one. And after she finds that coin, she tells all of her friends and she throws a party. Jesus says the same thing is true in heaven when one person you know, puts their faith in it in me that there's a party and then Jesus tells this third story about a a father who had two sons and the one son says to his dad dad I want my inheritance early which was a huge insult you had to wait normally you waited culturally you waited until your father died for you to receive your inheritance but he says dad I want it early so his father gives it to him with a broken heart and the son takes the inheritance and and leaves his home and the bible says he spends it recklessly He spent all of his inheritance. And one day when there was a famine in the land, he found himself out in the field and he didn't even have enough money to eat the pig's food. And he came to his senses and he thought to himself, what am I doing out here? If I could just go, if I just go back to my dad, he'll, he'll let me at least be one of his hired servants. So I'll just go back to him and I'll tell him I'm sorry. So he gets up and he goes back to his father. And the Bible says that when his son was a long way off, the father saw his son. And when he saw his son, he started running out to his son. And when he got to his son, his son went into his little speech and said, Oh, Dad, forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I'm not even worthy to be called, you know, your servant. And his father cut him off. Didn't even let him finish his little, his little talk. He said to his, he said to, the father said to one of his servants, Go get a ring. Go get a robe. Go get some shoes. Kill the fattened calf because this son who was lost is now found. And it's time to party. <laughs> and then you know what the father did? He kissed him. He kissed his rebellious, reckless son. You know, Christianity is the only faith in the world that pictures a God that kisses sinners. Isn't that amazing? That embraces sinners. Why is it that the father saw the son? I believe it's because the father was on the porch searching the horizon for his son, waiting every day. Just looking, waiting. Where's my son? When's he coming home? Where's my son? When's he coming home? And when he saw him, he ran. And when he got to him, he kissed him. That's God's heart. In response to these three stories, Bill Hybels writes in his book, uh, Contagious Christianity. He said, you've never locked eyes with another human being who isn't valuable to God. You and I have never looked at a human being that isn't extraordinarily valuable to God. You've never looked at a person for whom Christ has not died. Jesus would say to his critics, you want to know why I'm hanging out with sinners? Because God loves them, and God wants everyone to have peace with him. You want to know something? If you're a guest with us here today, you haven't been to church in a while, that's why we're here as a church. That's why the church is It's to help people who are not in a relationship with God find God and find peace with God. That's why the church is here to keep the mission of Jesus going. So what is the plan? What do we do? How do we take this message of peace to the world, to a world that obviously needs to hear it? Do you have friends in your life or family members in your life that need to be in a relationship with God? Raise your hand. Yeah, look around, look around. Just take a moment, look around. How are we going to reach them? Should Should we make movies? You know, back in 1979, there was a movie made called The Jesus Film. Have you seen it? Over two billion people have seen it. Over 200 million people have made decisions for Christ after watching the movie. It's been translated into over 1300 languages. Should we make more movies like the Jesus film? What do you think, yes or no? Well, sure we should. We should make some movies. Some of you need to make a movie, right? Well, should we raise up another preacher like Billy Graham? Billy Graham's preached to over 200 million people live through TV TV and, and radio. Should we raise up more Billy Graham's? What do you think, yes or no? Good idea? More Billy Grahams? I think we should. (laughs) How about music? Should we write more songs about this peace, about this hope, about how people can have reconciliation with God? I mean, how powerful is music, right? Should we write more songs? What do you think? Yes or no? Should you write some music? Absolutely. Should we leverage Twitter and Facebook and social media to get this message of hope out? What do you think? Yes or no? Absolutely. The answer is yes, 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 across the board. But what's God's primary way to reach people with the message of forgiveness and grace and peace? All those things are true. We should do all of them. But the primary way or method or strategy that God has is you. That's right. God wants to bring peace to all people through little old you. Isn't that crazy? That's his main strategy. Yes, make movies. Yes, write songs. Yes, leverage social media. Yes, do all those things. But, but, but the main strategy is to, to work through individual Christ's followers just like you, when Jesus rose from the grave, the same day that he rose from the grave, okay, that morning, that Sunday morning that he came back to life, he appeared to his disciples, I love this passage in John chapter 20, his disciples were so afraid, Every, their, their, their hopes and dreams were dashed, okay, their master had been killed, they saw him die with their own eyes, on the cross, and so where were they? They were hiding out in some room with the doors locked because they were afraid that they were gonna suffer the same fate that Jesus suffered, okay? And so all of a sudden, the resurrected Jesus walks through the walls, okay, because he had his resurrected body that could do all kinds of cool stuff, and if you're a Christ follower, you'll have one too one day, wouldn't that be fun? Walk through walls. Walks through the walls, all of a sudden, he's in the room with them, and his, the first words that come out of his mouth are, peace be unto you. Now, why does he say peace? The reason he says peace is because they're terrified, they're horrified, they they are afraid that they're gonna be crucified in the same way Jesus was. So he says, hey guys, chill out. And you know what he does next in John chapter 20? He shows them the nail marks in his hands and his feet. Why? Because he wanted to show them that not even death could stop him. Think about that. They killed him and he came back to life. Like, what could possibly stop this man? There's nothing in heaven and earth that can stop him from doing and fulfilling his mission. So he shows his his buddies, his posse, his homeboys, his little crew, his disciples, he says, guys, look, look, they can't stop me, I'm unstoppable. (laughs) And all of a sudden, what do you think happened to the fear that was inside of their heart just a few moments ago, where do you think it went? Yeah, it was gone. You know what it was? Flood, you know what it was replaced with? It was replaced with courage and 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 determination and boldness. And it's like, you 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 just came back from the dead. Like, how did you do that? That's incredible. Like, like nothing's impossible with you. Like, I want to follow you, and I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Right? All of that fear was re- replaced with passion and boldness and courage because. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you remember remember me saying that peace is rooted in the greatness of God. Do you remember that? And what they saw was the greatness of God. Not even death could stop this guy. And so then he repeats himself again. After he shows them his hands and his feet, he says these words in John 20. And he said to them again, second time, peace be with you. And here's why. Because I'm about to give you a big job. (laughs) Okay? I'm, about to, I'm about to give you your job description for the rest of your life. As the Father has sent me, remember Christmas Day? Baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lied in the, in the manger. Remember Mary and Joseph? Remember the plays? Remember years ago you saw them? <laughs> As the Father sent me into the world on that Christmas morning, so I am sending Billy Graham. <laughs> Is that what it says? No. He says, I'm sending you. You You 12 guys. It's it. the, 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 the peace of every man, woman, and child now rests in your hands. I'm a sent one, and now I'm going to send you. You know what the word missionary means? Sent one. Sent one. That's what it means. I'm sending you out. Yeah, but I'm a fisherman. I'm, I, I, don't, I just fish for fish. I'm not. You're a sent one. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really, I just work with wood. I'm a carpenter. I don't, know. you're a sent one. He sends out his individual disciples. Right before he went back to heaven, this is what he said to his disciples in Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You individual guys will be the people that go out and tell people about me everywhere. And I want you to start first in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here we here we sit in the Midwest of America. You think they, you think they did their job? <laughs> are we anywhere close to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria? Yes or no? No, no. They, I think they did their job. They, they took the message and they went out and they started talking to people about Jesus and how they can be reconciled back to God if they put their faith in him. And here we sit, now the ball's in our hands. And what are we gonna do with the ball? Charles Spurgeon believed so powerfully that Every Christian is a missionary that he said this. This is, this is powerful words. Every Christian is either a sent one or a faker. Wow. Now, that's Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, the British, famous British preacher. Preached his whole life. He's saying, if you're going to say that you're a Christ follower and not go out and try to help people find Christ, You're faking. You don't understand what it means to be a Christ follower, because to be a Christ follower means that you are a missionary, right in your school, right in your cube in your cube world, wherever you work, right in your neighborhood, on your block. You are called to reach the people in your life within your proximity with the message of peace. So, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? A couple things, and then we'll wrap this up. Number one, I want you to see in your notes, you and I must personally embrace this vision. You have to stop pointing at me or some other preacher or the staff of the church and saying, well, it's their job. I just kind of show up. I enjoy church. I like the music. There's some free coffee. Bathrooms are nice. You like the soap in the bathrooms? <laughs> I love the soap in the bathrooms. We like, we, we want you to have a nice experience. But if it's just for you, we will fail as a church. We will fail as a church. If it's just about you and what you like here, you must personally embrace the vision. You've got to stop pointing at Billy Graham or somebody else or Mel Gibson to make another movie or so you can't, you can't, you can't do that. Jesus doesn't let us do that. The Apostle Paul was talking to a group of Christians that were, that actually had a lot of issues. By the way, does anybody have issues today? Anybody have any problems? <laughs> so I know we all have problems, okay? So pro- let's just admit that, you, you know, you don't have to be perfect, To do this work, you just have to be willing and obedient, right? So he's talking to some Christians in Corinth. Now, if you know anything about the Christians in Corinth, they had serious issues of all kinds, okay? And Paul still says these words to the Corinthians. Listen to these powerful words. He says, God has given us the task of reconciling people back to him. Now again, this is not a pastor's conference, okay? He's not talking to Christian leaders. He's talking to individual Christ followers. He's given us the task of reconciling people back to him. He continues and says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. That's the good news. Like this amazing idea that God is not gonna punish people for their sins any longer. He punished Christ in their place. So therefore, watch this. And he gave who? Us. He gave it not to the pastors, but he gave it to us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Therefore, he continues and says this: We are Christ's ambassadors, His representatives. That's what an ambassador is, someone who goes into another country on behalf of their country and speaks for that country. We are speaking on, on the behalf of God. God is making His appeal through who? Through us. Therefore, we speak for Christ when we plead, and here's our message, right? It's very simple: come back to God. Be reconciled to God. Six times, Paul says, either we or us. You getting the message? You must embrace this vision personally, and unless you do, our church will not go very far because there's only so much that I can do. I can't touch the people at your job. If you work at a bank, I can't, touch, I can't influence the people there. If you work at a school, I can't influence your co-workers and teach, co-fellow teachers. I can't do that. You can't look to me to to do the work of evangelism and help them find Christ. I'm not with you. I'm not on your block. I'm on my block, right? I'll do it on where I am, but I can't do it where you are. God wants to use you. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you to bring this message out. Will you embrace that vision? If you do, I'll tell you what, you're going to be a participant in this mission you're going to have skin in the game. You ever hear that phrase, skin in the game? That means that you got, you, you got something in. Like you, you got some, you've spilled some blood. Like this is, the, here, here's what I hear in the community all the time, because I like to go outside in the community. Can't hardly stand it being in my office sometimes. But anyway, I'll be out and somebody will say to me, it just happened the other day uh, when I bought the tickets for Star Wars. Hey, I ran into this guy. He said, hey, I love your church. I love your church. Now what do you think I wanted to say to him? My church? What are you talking about? It's not my church. It's, 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 come on, come on. It's, it's, if you think it's my church, you're, you're crazy. How, because what can I do? Like, what can I do? I can't touch the people in your life. Can't build relationships with them. Can't love on them. Can't serve them, right? It's what? It's our church so when you see me out in the community and you say man I love your church you're telling me something you're telling me that you're a spectator you're telling me that you're part you're you're a consumer that you enjoy the songs and you enjoy the services and you enjoy the soap (laughs) and you might even have a t-shirt because they're kind of cool the t-shirts are cool aren't they some of you are wearing them but you're not telling me that you got skin in the game. You, when you see me in the community and say, I love our church, here's what that tells me. You have personally embraced the vision, and there are people in your life that you've written their names on this stage, and you are trying to get them to a service because there's an empty seat next to you, and you want them there so that they can be reconciled to God. Are you getting this? Is this good stuff? Now, so number one, we embrace it personally. Number two, you have to believe that God can do it through you we got to stop with this nonsense. I can't talk to people. I'm an introvert. I'm not good with people. My personality is backwards. I don't know. I can't do it, you know. I don't have one of those personalities. I don't know. What if they ask me a question I don't know in the Bible? You know, what if, why does evil exist, or why does the ISIS get to do what they do, or why does genocide happen? What happens if they start talking to me about? Oh, I don't know the answers to those questions, so I'm not going. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut anyway because people don't want to talk about religion, and I don't want to shove my religion down people's face. So I'm just going to. I'm just going to be a mute. You, listen, we can come up with excuses all day long, can't we? <laughs> But you have to believe in your heart that God has called you and that God can do the work through you. There's a great story in the book of John chapter four about a woman who was broken, who was looking for happiness in all the wrong places. She had had five husbands and she was currently with a man who wasn't her husband. She was religious enough to know, what the, you know what, the, what the topics of the day were. She was kind of tuned in and dialed in to, to, to the religious information of the day. But man, her lifestyle was off the rails. She was at a well, one in the middle of the day, which is the time where none of the other women would go to the well to get water because it was hot. And so she, but she was there in the middle of the day because she was living in shame and she was living in guilt. Ever been there? Ever been off the rails? Ashamed of your lifestyle, right? So that's, that's this woman. But she doesn't know that she's about to encounter the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So they have this interaction at the well. Jesus starts talking to her. All of a sudden she begins to realize that what she's been looking for her whole life is what this guy has. He is the living water and she begins to drink it in. She begins to see that he really is the real deal. She has an authentic encounter with Jesus. She discovers that this man is willing to forgive her sins and overlook it and reach out to her with a hand of love and speak to her. She gets so excited, watch what she does. In, in John chapter four, she goes and she runs into town. She leaves her water jug. She goes into town. She says to everybody, come and see this guy who's told me everything I've ever done. Could this not be the Messiah? See, she knew, she knew what the Jews were looking for. She knew about the, the, the big ideas of religion of the day. Couldn't, couldn't this be the guy? She says, so, so look what happens. So the people came streaming from the village to see Jesus. Watch what happens in verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village, say it with me, believed in Jesus because of the woman said, he's told me everything I've ever done. The Bible goes on in the next couple of verses to say that many more people put their faith in Christ because they started listening to his teachings. How did they get there? Because they believed the woman's testimony. She came into the village and they saw something in her. They saw that she had had an authentic encounter with Jesus, the Messiah. And they're like, wow, I think this girl's onto something. I think she might have found somebody. Let's go in and check it out. And God used her to see many people come to faith. Now, let me ask you a question. If God can use this woman to bring many people, to have many people put their faith in Jesus, do you think he couldn't use you? What do you think? Could God use you if he used her? The answer is so simple. Absolutely he can use you. Whether it's your classmates at school or your co-workers at work or, or or your family members in your home God can absolutely use you. You know what the requirement is? It's very simple. It's what this woman had. The requirement is that you have an authentic experience with Jesus. That he has changed your life. And that's all people need to see. They, they don't need all the answers to all their questions. They can get those later from somebody else that maybe is more knowledgeable. That's fine. But what they need to see in you is that you know him. And over time, what's going to happen? is like that they're going to see something in your eyes. Yeah, I'll, I'll go check it out. I'll go see what's going on. Number one, you have to embrace it personally. Number two, you have to believe that God has called you to do it and stop pointing your finger and saying it's his job, it's her job, it's their job. And then number, and number three, if you're ready for it, take action. Take action. Now, when I say take action, I don't mean become a preacher. That may be what God wants you to do, okay? But I, I don't. I'm not asking you to become a preacher. I'm not asking you to go grab a bullhorn and stand, you know, stand downtown, you know, at the mini marathon and start screaming at people. Jesus loves you. For to so love the world that He gave His one and only Son. Yeah, I think those guys are nuts. They do more harm, don't they? They do more harm than good, don't they? I want to, I, I want to like grab the bullhorn and smash it because they're making me look bad. When they're out there, you know, you've seen it. Remember the Super Bowl? There were like one on every corner. Jesus this, Jesus that. It's like, really? Like that, like who's listening to you right now? There's not a crowd of people around you going, oh, really? Tell me more. They're thinking, you idiot. That's why I don't like Christians. That's why I don't go to church because of the bullhorn guy. Please do not be the bullhorn guy (laughs) or girl. I'm not asking you to go preach on the corner. When I say take action, here's what I'm, I'm asking you to do something much simpler and much more effective. I'm asking you to invest in the people within your proximity, to be a listening ear, to watch their kids in the time of need, to cook them a meal when a, when a father or a mother passes away. I'm asking you to be a friend to let that person in your life who said no to God, to let them know that you care about them. Because here's the truth, here's the truth that's true about, especially in our world today. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Isn't that true? If you wanna earn a listening ear, you have to invest in the people in your life and show them that you care by acts of service and acts of friendship. And then when you've earned the right to speak, then maybe a conversation takes place. And, and it may not even be a deep, long theological you know, conversation. I'm not advocating that. Look, if you want to do that, that's fine. But all I'm asking you to do is say, hey, would you, what are you doing this weekend? Saturday night, 5.30. Sunday morning, 9.15. Sunday morning, 11.15. Gonna, are you around? Because I, I think you'd love this, this church I go to. I think, it, I think you'd really connect... It would make sense for you. That's what Nathanael did, Philip did, for his brother Nathaniel in John chapter one. John, Jesus was recruiting his first disciples. He recruits a guy named Philip. Philip gets so excited that he's found the Messiah that he goes to his brother Nathaniel and he says, you're not gonna believe this. I think I found the guy that Moses was talking about, like the Messiah, I think he's here. Just you come meet him. L- listen to what Nathaniel says in response. I love, I love it. Cause Philip told him that Jesus comes from Nazareth. He says, Nazareth, are you crazy? Like, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. You know, any? you have any friends like that, skeptics? <laughs> come on, it's ridiculous. There's nothing good at church. I went, I went to church when I was a young kid. It's, it did not make any sense, right? And watch Philip's response, and I would just implore you that, to use this response. Come and see for yourself. He didn't go to the Old Testament and start making an argument and, well, the Messiah, it says here, right here in, in uh, you know, chapter 14, verse 3, that the Messiah is going to come. He didn't start a long conversation about the details. He just said, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And you make the call after you meet Jesus. So sure enough, Nathanael, he says, okay. Nathanael comes to see Jesus, and they have this conversation, and Jesus reveals to Nathanael that he could see things in the future, and he saw Philip, you know, under a tree, and Nathanael's like, whoa. Puts his faith in Christ The woman at the well said to the people of the village Come and see a man Philip says to his brother Nathaniel, Look, look, I don't have time to get into all of it Just come and see for yourself Can I ask you a question today? As a Christ follower Can you say those words to someone you love Who is in danger of perishing? I mean, we're talking about spending eternity apart from God can you muster up the love and courage to say to a friend, a coworker, a loved one, "Come and see and check it out for yourself. What do you think? Yes or no. See what 's at stake here is people 's eternal destination that's what 's at stake. And I think when you really contemplate what's really going on in this world, the fact that individual people live forever ever? either with God or without God, I think what you're going to find yourself doing is saying, hey, could you come and see? I don't know what you're doing on the weekend, but we've got these couple of opportunities. Would you come and see? Would you come and check it out? In hopes that they will find what they've been looking for their whole life. I want you to hear a story right now of, of a lady named Teresa. Her friend Angela did this very thing for her, and it changed her forever. Check out her story.
1: My name's Teresa Carmichael and four years ago I came to Emmanuel. We were invited by a friend of ours, Angela Still. Um, At that time in my life I was a single mom and I felt that I needed something for more for me and my daughter to believe in. So we attended the Christmas service. We were completely blown away when we came in the doors. Um, The music, uh, the way we were greeted at the door, um, hearing Danny speak, I definitely could feel the tugging in my heart from the moment I walked in um, with tears in my eyes throughout the whole service. I can remember when I was younger that I went to church. Um, My dad would make us go every Sunday. Um, I can remember sitting in the pews and uh, doodling and um, I went to church camp, but I really didn't retain anything from any of it. It was more of just having relationships with my friends and going to see my friends. I was in my 20s, and I lived a life of drinking and doing drugs and um, what, what bar I was going to go to each night of the week, um, just going through the motions. And it got to a point in my late 20s, I can remember um, lying in bed one night and crying out that I didn't like the life that I was living anymore. And um, if there truly was a God, please take me from this place. And um, that's when I started seeing God's footprint in my life. We went to the Christmas service and Danny said the salvation prayer. Um, I knew that I had the tugging in my heart the whole time I was listening to the service and listening to the worship music and um, as tears rolled down um, my face, I knew that um, I needed Christ and I knew that He was real. And um, Danny asked for anybody that was ready to say the salvation prayer to join him in the prayer. And um, I immediately said the prayer. I, I couldn't say it fast enough, honestly. and. Um, after Danny got done saying the prayer, he asked for anyone um, that said the prayer if they were bold enough to raise their hand, and I raised my hand, and as I raised my hand, I looked over at my daughter, and she was raising her hand too. The feeling in my heart to not only know that I accepted Christ in that moment, but that my daughter and her heart accepted Christ in that moment because that was the whole reason we came to Emmanuel. Um, And I had no idea that the first time we walked into the doors at Emmanuel, that we would say the salvation prayer and accept Christ into our lives. I attend the Banta campus and ever since I've accepted Christ into my life, um, everything has changed. I wake up in the morning and I cannot wait to spend my time with God. I speak to Him all day throughout the day, I pray. I attend women's Bible studies because it helps me to get to know Him more and to be studying His Word. I recently was baptized at the Banta campus, and I wanted to give my story in front of the congregation because I realized that through my story, it may offer someone else some hope and encouragement because through my journey, I've realized that life without Christ is no life at all.
0: Teresa's story is what is what this church is all about. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. God sent Emmanuel to this place at this time in the history of the world so that Teresa and her daughter could put their faith in Christ and find peace with him. The Christmas story is the story of how God has created a way for everyone Every single woman, every single man can have peace with God through Christ. I know, I know that in a crowd this size, there are many of you that would say, I don't, I've never prayed a prayer like that. I don't have peace with God. I I mean, I'm here, I'm listening, and that's a pretty big deal. I wouldn't say that I have faith in Christ or peace with God. Well, Maybe today is the day that you step over that line of faith. Just like Teresa did. Maybe during this whole service you have felt a tugging on your heart. You know who that is? That's the Holy Spirit. That's God. That's God drawing you into yourself. Some of you here today, you don't even know why you came. You can't even really believe you're here. Like, how did I end up in this place? (laughs) Now this guy seems to be talking right to me. and And it's not me. It's God. Because he's had his eye on you since the day you were born. And this very moment was created for you. To say to Jesus, oh, I believe, I believe that the baby, that the baby was you and and the baby grew up to be 30-some years old and he stretched out his arms, died on the cross so that I could be forgiven, so I could have my sins washed away, so that I could have peace with God. You say those words and believe them in your heart. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says you will become a child of God. You will find peace with God. You will be born again you feel God moving on you in your heart right now, just like Teresa did four years ago, I encourage you in this very moment, this holy moment, to close your eyes and bow your head and reach out to God in faith through this simple prayer. Just you and him in the room, nobody else. To do business with God right now. Say these words to Dear Jesus, I believe you came into this world. You died on the cross. You came back to life three days later to conquer the penalty of sin. To cancel the debt that was held against me. In this very moment, I put my confidence, my trust, in your finished work on the cross. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. I give my life over to you. And help me from this day forward, God, to live my life in a way that pleases you, in a way that honors you, seeking to obey you in all things. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A few moments ago, you heard uh, Teresa talk about how every morning now she can't wait to wake up and read her Bible the reason that she's developed that habit in part is because we talk about that all the time around here. We talk about how reading the scriptures is, is the main way that you grow in your faith. Yes, services, yes, small group, yes, some other things. But when you read the scriptures, you spend time alone with God. God begins to reveal his heart for you, to you. He begins to reveal his, his path for your life, what needs to change in your life what his what he wants for you in this world. so if you pray to receive Christ we oh, we love to do this we love to give you a free Bible as you walk out today if you put your faith in Christ today there's tables in the back to my right and also to my left if you're in the balcony you can come down and grab a free Bible and that, don't just grab one just and let it kill like dust on on the on the you know the coffee table or a bookshelf but actually begin reading it put it in a spot where you're going to meet God every day and begin reading about five minutes a day. I promise you if you do that over the long haul God is going to, Totally change your life. Can we give God glory today for what He's done? Now, as we leave here, as we leave here, check it out, check it out. Our church is in trouble if you do not embrace this vision personally, if you do not believe in your heart that God can use you to make a difference in your friend's life, and if you don't take action, we're in trouble. The average church closes its doors in 40 years. Did you know that? In 40 years. Why is, why is that true? It's because the pastor starts the thing off and he's all excited and everybody's excited about the church. And then the pastor gets old and then the pastor either dies or he retires and then everybody's left here. The congregation is left and what are they going to talk about? Well, they're going to talk about how loud the music is and how the carpet is a different color that they don't like. And the soap in the restrooms needs to be changed. And everybody in the church starts to talk about everything on the inside and what they want, more Bible studies and more of this, and basketball programs for the kids and ballerina for the girls and all these different things. And everybody starts to fight. And then one faction in the church says, well, I didn't get in my way. And so what do they do? They, they split off and they, and they go over to Mount Pleasant. It's a great church. <laughs> they go over to Greenwood Christian, another great church. Or they go over to the vineyard, another great church over there with Jim Brickard, right? Great church. And and all of a sudden the church implodes and and the average church closes its doors in 40 years. Why? Because they lost sight of the vision. If you don't embrace it personally, believe that God can do it through you and take action, we're in trouble. Does that make sense? So my challenge to you to do that today is to embrace this vision and get to work. You agree? Exciting? God can do it through you. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I know, God, that if, if as as individuals, if we embrace this vision that You've laid out for us, if we embrace the role of sent ones, God, we'll probably end up launching campuses every year, one a year, until You come back. We won't have enough space, enough room for the people in our lives, and so, God, I pray that You would do something in our midst that's absolutely supernatural. That You'd work through every single one of us as individuals to reach the people in our life with this message of peace and hope. And we'll give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, next week, great opportunity to bring a friend. We're starting a brand new series called Reboot. We're gonna leverage the new year. We're gonna talk about getting everything up on the right track. Bring a friend. We'll see you next week. God bless.